Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhary. I can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 162, we have a special guest Dan Ronchan. So in this episode we'll discuss with the Dan the topic of how to have no broke months in business. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on the podcast. Let's dive in. Hi Dan, thank you so much for joining me this podcast episode. Really appreciate it. How are you today? Fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, the pleasure is mine for you coming to the show and yeah, hoping to get some lots of value from you uh from you as well uh from my audience. Uh today's topic which we're going to discuss which is how to have like a no broke months for entrepreneurs and you've been in a business for a quite a long time yourself. Like before we get to that topic, I'd love to know about your journey. How did you end up being an entrepreneur in a real estate business? Oh goodness. Um give me one second. Let me shut my door here cuz there's a bunch of background noise on my end. All right, so thank you. Uh I got my real estate license in 2007. Mm-hmm. And before then I was waiting tables at one of the best steakhouses in the planet, uh in Washington DC, and I made a ton of money, but I hated my job. Right. Um I was a newly recovered uh uh, addict, alcoholic. I was abusing alcohol, drinking, you know, 12 pack plus two bottles of wine a day before uh, I got my license and recovered in 2005 before I got my license. And then, you know, during that year and a half, I was really seeking like, okay, I knew I was destined to not be a waiter. I knew I was destined to help people to solve their problems, to achieve their goals. And, yeah. um, you know, that's what caused me to get my real estate license. And then fast forward 18 months from that point, into 2009 um after struggling for my first six months of no sales i was able to figure out my way to make sales and then um 2009 i bought the brokerage that i worked for which was a keller williams realty franchise owned that till 2018 and um what i'm most proud of uh i sold that in 2018 but what i'm most proud of is that i've had no broke months as an agent since 2008 and that's, uh, I say, probably my biggest accomplishment in business. Yeah. Uh, because that's just, you know, a long time of, you know, consistent sales with an average of 10 sales a month. And, um, you know, I, um, I'm i pretty proud of that. That's great. Even though, like, during the recession time, right? Like, 2008, 2009, like, housing market was, like, going down, right? No one actually buying. That's when I got my, yeah, that's when I got yeah. my license. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. And so what do you do currently at the moment, like, uh, on the entrepreneurship side of it? Uh, well, I have a couple different uh, businesses. I, I still sell real estate today, mm-hmm. and uh, my greeting, uh, my still seems called Greetings Virginia Sales Network. We're based in right outside Washington D.C. We help home buyers and sellers in the D.C. metropolitan area, Maryland, Virginia, D.C. I also am the head coach and owner of the Consistent Predictable Income Coaching Community, where we help agents have no broke months, and yeah. we also provide resources such as the CPI virtual assistants, as well as um, I uh, worked for many, many years to develop uh, a, a CRM called the CPI CRM, which has all the workflows, all the, the tools and resources yeah. that an agent needs to be able to have no broke months today. So those are some of the things I'm involved in. That's great. That's great. So you've got like a, nearly two decades of experience in the industry and yeah, it's going quite strong right now. And even in like a different kind of vertical in the same industry, which which is great. So working with like a lot of agents yourself, you're training and coaching them, like, and you're seeing like there is no 
broke months for yourself like a past uh, 15, 17 years. So what is the secret? Like how to have no broke months? Let's, let's get to it. Sure. Well, step one is understand why you're, why you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so when I say why you're doing whatever you're doing is it's not, um, you know, what many, many people hear when they hear a coach like myself to, you know, to share that with them is something that's like altruistic, something that's like a pinnacle of, of life, like bringing clean drinking water to a, you know, community that needs help or yeah. saving the homeless or something like that. And when I say figure out why you're doing what you're doing, I'm not talking about that. You know, that would be what I would describe as your big why. Instead, it's about finding your little why. And so right. what, what I mean by that is if you're in business today just to pay your mortgage, just to pay your rent, then let's be real about this. Let's pay that first before we save the world. Okay, right. so let's get this. I call it the no BS why. It's like for real. Yeah, maybe you want to send your kid to private school, right? But you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your mortgage, you know, your mortgage or your your car payment or whatever the case may be. Um, we need to take care of our basic needs first, and then as we take care of our basic needs, then we can uh, elevate that little why into the next area, right? So, okay, yeah. I can take care of my mortgage, I can take care of all this. Now, maybe I want to send my daughter to private school. That would be, you know. The, the elevation of it. Okay, now I'm able to send my uh, daughter to private school. Well, now maybe I want to buy a, a Tesla and pay all cash for it, something you know like that. Yeah. And then you know you you elevate it into okay, now I want to save the world, right? But you have to start with where you're at, and so that that step one is understanding why you do what you do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, probably we, what we do mistake is we tend to create like a far too high, so we won't be able to pay our rent or like a mortgage, or even though we're not paying our salary ourselves to probably $2,000 a month, and we are shooting yeah. for like a 10 grand, 20 grand a month, but we haven't actually made two grand. So let's, yeah. for your philosophy, which is like, if, let's focus on the $2,000 a month. Yeah. So you can cover your basic needs, then we can hit five grand or 10 grand a month, right? Yeah, so you say, why do you do what you do? And then you ask the next question, which is what's important to you about that? Mm-hmm. All right. And so you sit there and say, for example, for me as a real estate agent, for example, I help 10 buyers and sellers buy a home, sell a home or invest in real estate every single month. Okay. So that's, you know, what I'm doing Yeah. now. Um, why am I doing that? I'm doing that for me. I'm at the place in my life to be able to, um, you know, I've elevated, right. Once upon a time, it was to leave my cramped town home with my infant daughter that we were bursting at the seams and I rented out to uh, an Uber driver, right? Like yeah. that's where I was once upon a time today, I'm at a different place in my life. So today it's about to continue paying for her private school. It's continuing to be able to achieve goals that are more, uh, you know, of a higher level. And so that's why I do what I do today. And then also from a bigger why it's to be able to help a real estate agent specifically have no broke months and to show yeah. them the framework to be able to do that. Now, what's important to me about that? So when you ask yourself, what's important to you about that? What's important to you about that? What's important to you about that? I encourage if you're listening or watching to ask yourself, why do I sell real estate? Why do I, why am I in business? Why am I doing whatever it is? What's important to me about that? And continue asking yourself that a question until you get to an answer that really sings to your heart. And once you get to that answer that sings to your heart, now that would be really ultimately what you want to keep. And so what you end up doing is say, I do business. I do sales. This is why I do it, to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. 
what's important to me about that ultimately could look like something like so that I could provide for my family or so that I could be a good dad. Yeah. So then you take all the in between because you're going to ask yourself what's important to me about that many times until you get to that answer that sings to your heart. So all those answers in between, you're going to swipe right. And so then you're left with, why do you do whatever you do? Why do you make sales? Why are you in business? Why do you sell real estate? And then the last, what's important to you about that. And then you're going to combine those two together. So it's going to look something like this for me. Um, I sell real estate to be able to help people achieve their goals, solve their problems. And I do so because I want to be able to afford to pay for my daughter's private school. Mm. And what that does for me, it, it, it makes me understand and feel as though if I'm a worthy father. Right. So you're going to come up with something like that. Yeah. Okay. And so then once you come up with whatever it is that you come up with and you take it, you write it down on a sticky note and you put that sticky note on your keyboard. And what you just did there, on this, and that's the entirety of the step one, is that you just created a compass for you to be able to then stay focused on the next steps. And so ultimately, all that you need to do is to say, okay, well, if I choose not to do these next steps, I'm not bad and wrong. But what I encourage for you to do is to look at that sticky note of what you just wrote and then make a choice. Now, if you want to take a day off, you want to go play, great. No sweat, no judgment. Yeah. But you have to understand you're making a choice. But more likely than going to take the day off, what most people do is they get distracted with the things that don't matter. Mm. Yeah. Okay, they get distracted with designing a brochure or a pamphlet, right? Well, yeah, that's necessary, but it ultimately it doesn't make you any money. So in my industry, there's five things that make you money. There's five things that... You call this working in your business, and then there's five things that will uh, working on your business, and then there's one thing that we tie it all together in. And the five things working in your business, I describe as CPI time. CPI stands for consistent, predictable income. So for me and for most businesses, for most business owners, the five things that you make your money by doing these five things include, number one, go find business. Number two, convert people who raise their hand to hire you. Number three, attend appointments for the intention to get hired. Number four is to negotiate. And number five is to practice your scripture and role play. So I'll say that uh, one more time uh, in a slightly different way. Number one is to lead generate. Two is lead convert. Three is to attend appointments for the purpose to get hired. Four is to negotiate. And five is to practice your scripture role play so you know what to say and when to say it. So basically the 10 appointments is like a, every 10 appointments you get one sales out of, right? You look at uh, well, I may have confused when I said the number 10. So okay. let me, so the 10 was 10 steps. Okay. Okay, so that's five of the 10 steps. That's working in your business. Mm -hmm. So then the other piece of that is working on your business. Right. Okay, so now if you want to have people, you know, if you want to be able to leverage it so you can scale so that for me, I'm in a sales industry. Yeah. So that, that means that if I'm sell if I'm not selling and I don't do these next five steps, I don't make any money. Mm. So what what do I if I want to actually build a business and I want something to sustain itself with, with or without me, then I got to do these next five steps. Right. So the next five steps is called leverage time. 
And so those are to recruit talented people to join you in your organization. Number two is to select the talented people that you, you want to be in business with. Number three is to train those people so that they can reach their goals. Number right. four is to lead those people so they can understand how to think so that they can reach their goals. And number five is to mo motivate them. Okay, yeah. so I'll give you a summary of all 10 of these again, and then I'll tell you the, 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 the key ingredient on this. Sure. So the summary of this is, again, uh, CPI time. To lead generate, convert the leads to an appointment, attend the appointment to get hired, negotiate description role play. That's working in your business. Leverage time to recruit talented people to you, to select the right people to be in business with, to train them, to lead them to understand how to think so they can re uh, get what they want, and to motivate them. That's working on your business. Then we take this lasso and we tie it all around these, these five. And the lasso is to manage your money. So when you do the first five things, then you're able to create uh, opportunities. When you do the second five things, you're able to scale. And then when you're able to manage your money, you're able to sustain that through time. Yeah. And those are the 11 steps to no broke months. That's great. So with the 11 steps, uh, not having it kind of implemented in like a different industry as well, like it could be any industry, coaches, consultants. Yeah. yeah, almost any industry. You may have to alter that a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but that's really like from a, from a one person show, right? That's how you take a one person show and bring it into a business, right? Now, if you're yeah. already part of a, you know, multi-million dollar company that you own or you run or whatever the case may be, the concepts are still the same, right? But the difference is, is you may be teaching those concepts to the people that you lead. Mm. So let's say you have 500 employees. Well, there's going to be departments within that. And um, let's call it eight departments. Yeah. And those department heads are always going to be in the business to be able to grow their business to, of the leverage time. So they're always going to be recruiting. They're always going to be selecting top talent, et cetera. They're going to have salespeople. The salespeople are always going to be doing a CPI time. So lead generate, convert, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So these concepts work for any business. It's just the application of them might change between businesses. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of businesses uh, have no predictable income base, like a lot of small to medium sized businesses. Sure. They're mostly refer referral based businesses. So they rely on referral their existing client or customer going to give some kind of uh, referral this month and they can do a new business, but they don't have any predictability. So in a referral, it is great. Like it can convert really well, but you don't know how many referrals you're going to get in a month. Yeah. But in terms of like a lead generation, you mentioned like, then you can, obviously you can control that amount of money you spend, the calls you make, and you know, like it was going to be returned. Let's talk on that a little bit. Like how important do you think is a lead generation for your business? How important? First, last, in between, and every other step, it's that yeah. important. It never goes away. Um, so you're either, and, and you go, and these two things tie together, right? So you're either lead generating over here on your, your CPI time for the people to recruit over yeah. on your leverage time, or you're lead generating for business, uh, for you know, to serve or to, mm. to provide a good. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, how do you lead generate? Well, we can break lead generation into three buckets as well. Prospecting, marketing, and networking. Now, there's probably other, depending on the industry, other ways to be able to acquire. But typically, 
everything's going to run into one of those three buckets when you look at how do you find how do you lead generate yeah and so they all cost you something that's how we define what's what marketing costs you money prospecting costs you time and networking costs you money and time yeah okay so now when you're going back to that referral based business okay the referral based business is great because that will sustain you through time but the challenge is it's not predictable at all no. So you have to have some sort of predictability in your business and you could do so by taking control of the lead generation. Then simultaneously, the referrals that come in is just an, oh, by the way. Yeah. A lot of business owners get that wrong because they say, oh, I'm in a referral based only business. Okay, great. Well, what happens if the economy shifts, huh? Looks something like what's going on right now. Yeah. What happens if your something happens to your client base? What happens if you end up getting, you know, a bunch of bad reviews? You know, um, I've just built a pool for my family and quite candidly, the contractor did a, did a great job with the implementation and did a horrific job with the communication. Mm. They ran across challenges. I understand challenges. I, but what I don't understand is having a challenge and then hiding from your customer. Like, I don't understand that. Yeah. If you tell me as a contractor that I've hired, Hey, I've got these challenges because of the supply chain or whatever, which was the case. Great. That's outside of your control. I get it. Can we come up with a solution? Maybe, maybe not, but at the very least, let's have that conversation. So I'm using that as an example of something that can happen to a business owner. Now, I'm not going to do this, right? But I could go out and fry this guy online and you know, write a bunch of bad reviews. That's not in my nature, right? In fact, I, I gave him like candid feedback as like a business owner, a business owner. I'm like, look, here's the way I feel. I'm sharing this with you so that you can maybe use this for your other clients. Because if I feel this way, others may feel the same way. Same way you, yeah. you should know this, right? As a business owner, right? That's just, you know, for me, you know, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people in my situation as a disgruntled customer, not a lot, but some may go out and actually, you know, express that online with bad reviews, et cetera. Now that's starting to hurt your, you know, your opportunity to be mm. able to get referrals and that type of thing. Yeah. And also like a, you can't sell the kind of businesses, right? If you rely on a referral basis, then no one actually buys the kind of businesses because there is no system in place. So yeah. with the kind of business, they don't have any system. We don't have any sales team. We don't have any uh, business developer. Like we can bring on new prospect, new leads or marketing team, uh, nothing like that. So it's not scalable and also it's not sellable in the same way. So that way, like you're not predicting any kind of income uh, whatsoever. So... Building them kind of small to medium business. I spoke to so many businesses because I'm in the marketing space. Sure. Uh, most of 90% of the businesses, even though in 2020 I speak to, they rely on referral, which is great <laughs> in a way. But if you want to take it to your business, to six-figure, seven-figure business, then you have to have a kind of lead generation system in, in place. So yeah. uh, moving forward, when we have like them kind of mindset, like we don't want to be in a broke we created our mindset like this is why I need to be I cover all of my minimum payments mortgage rent everything covered up now I need to hire a great talent or scale the business how about we go and find that talent for like so we can have like a predictable month so we can replace ourselves let's say like 
for a great example, like I've been ill, I couldn't do the podcast with you like last month. Yeah. I've been on and off. So my own business has been run by my team. Like I didn't actually manage day-to-day activity. And so anything's happened with me, like I know for sure, like the business can be taken care of, my clients will be fine and everything will be as smooth as I, I want it to be. So how can someone, uh, they can create a, such a business where they can hire a great team and the system itself can run itself and even though they're not in a business, they can still predict some kind of income and they don't go broke in a month. Let's look at this. So we say lead generation is the first middle yeah. and always, right? Recruiting is the first middle and always as well. Mm. Okay. So if you look at the the uh, leverage time or the CPI time and the leverage time, yeah. and you look at step one of each of those. Right. I was talking to uh, my director of lead generation today, or not lead generation, I'm sorry, my director of inside sales today. I was having a conversation with him. He had three people that were supposed to start in, our, in one of our companies today and one showed up and I shared with him. I said, George, you have to understand that recruiting is not an event. Recruiting is happens always the same way as lead generation is not an event. Yeah. Okay. So, so recruiting always happens every single day of your business. Because you don't know when one person out of three shows up. You don't know when you, you never arrive in business, by the way. You never have like, okay, I got like everything in my business is working the way it's supposed to be. I've had a couple times in business that I could say that for a day. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day it all blows up, right? And so yeah. not all blows up, but you, ha- you, you know, you have a couple of thorns. And so it's understanding that, if you really want to scale now that doesn't necessarily have to be on the founder or the owner because you can also scale it so that somebody else is responsible for taking those actions so for example in my administrative team i've got a director of hiring Mm. so i don't have to as a as a business owner worry about ever hiring anybody from my administrative team again because i've got a structure there i've got a chief operating officer i've got department leads and i've got a hiring person and so when you're looking at that structure, if something happens to COO, guess what? I've got five people wanting her job. Yeah. And one could be elevated. If something happens to the director of hiring, my COO could step in while we hire the her replacement. If something happens to anybody else, either somebody can step up from within or the director of hiring has three to five candidates on any single day that's ready to apply for the opportunity, that's ready to step in tomorrow. So if you sort of think about it, it's like to sustain a business through time, you have to consider it as like, you always have to have that bench of talent. At one point, I was a business of one. I was doing all of that. Yeah. Today, 15 years later, how long it's been, I'm fortunate in some areas of my business where I've got a really, really tight, like, okay, administratively, I'm good. Mm. For my lead generation that I just talked to you about, you know, my director of inside sales, I'm not great because I've got a really, really great person in place, right? But I don't have that bench in place. If yeah. something happened to him, I have a little bit of a bench where somebody else could take over for him, but not a great bench, right? I don't have that robust, uh, you know, applicants where any single day, if I wanted to add five people on tomorrow, I got it. Like, I don't have that in place yet, um, but I have enough in place that it doesn't require me and my effort. You know, it's just not, it's just not stable through time. Yeah. And so that's just like looking at a business and understanding, like, um, you know, having that vision of the future 
And then also understanding where you're at right now, understanding your strengths. For me, it's administrative, understanding your, I wouldn't say weaknesses, but your, 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 your vulnerable places. Yeah. For me, it's in my lead generation, you know, uh, team and, and then understanding, okay, this is where we need to focus our effort. Yeah, definitely. You have to have like a system in place. So constantly recruiting, like if constantly hiring the talent you need and yeah, developing them like a kind of leaders, like they can take over, like when you're not there, like something happened yeah. to you or even though you want to sell the business so you can pass over the same team, like a different company, like com companies like appreciate it. Like if you want to. I think everybody, sh everybody should build a business to sell. Yeah. Now I'll never sell my businesses. I've sold one. I've sold one. Mm. Uh, but I sold that because I had to. Yeah, I got I got into a, a trap, right? I I had to. I need to, I needed to, you know. Otherwise, I would have gone bankrupt. Yeah, right. Like, you know, did I want to do that? No, but I had to. And that's fine. But the companies that I own today, it's like I'm going to build these so I can sell them, so I never have to. Yeah, definitely. It's the same same mindset as mine. Like, yeah. I don't want to sell my business, but that way I built it so I can sell it. Because and then and then if you look at know, like. The, yeah. But, but look at it as the definition of what it takes to build a business to sell. It means yeah. that that business exists without you. Yeah. So now if that business exists without you and you're making money, why would you ever sell it? Unless if you got such a generous offer that yeah. you, you know, couldn't refuse it. Definitely. You know, like for me, I'll build five businesses and have them all operate without me, make mm -hmm. a profit off all of them. And now, you know, I'll go hang out with my kid or do whatever. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to like build a, such a kind of businesses where run itself. So if yeah. you get the opportunity, like you built it and you got that luxury, you got lucky, then yeah, keep that like as, as long as you can and enjoy the fruit from it. Like uh, there is nothing better than actually running your own businesses. You can put in money on a real estate, but the ROI return on investment is so much higher like running your actual business. Can't be. Yeah, risk is higher. The risk is higher, though, but it, the the opportunity yeah, is, is higher. Well. Yeah. well, the reward is higher too. So yep. yeah, but if yeah. it's working for you really well, then you should keep it and enjoy the reward. Yeah. But yeah, Dan, thank you so much for sharing the uh, valuable lesson today. I really enjoyed it, and it's a great conversation with you. So those who's listening, if anyone wants to interested to learn more about you and your work or your business, where's the best place to find you? www dot no broke months dot com nobrokebunts.com yeah thank you so You're it's an easy way to reach out to you right that's right yeah yeah i really appreciate your time it's been a great conversation with you i wish you best of luck with your business and your career as well uh yeah thanks for like coming today it's my pleasure yeah thank you guys well it's a wrap so until next week i'll talk to you in the next episode if anyone is interested go visit nobrokemonths.com to find Dan and yeah, check out his stuff. And yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Take care.